Welcome to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Looking to overcome your fears, create extra income, invest while you work, become a successful investor, and enjoy a better lifestyle? You're in the right place. Turn your investing dreams into your investing reality. You'll learn why investing is important, the importance of knowing when to move on, and everything in between. You're about to get exclusive access to an investor's mindset. Now, here's your host, Vikan Backrad. Hey guys, this is Vikan Backrad, your host. Today, we have a great interview with Josper Rivers. He took a single apartment, turned it into a $60,000 a year hands-off outsourced business. He has helped thousands of Airbnb hosts worldwide through his book, podcast, and blog. He's the author of Get Paid for Your Pad. You can reach him at getpaidforyourpad.com, and all the show notes will be available on investmoneyschool.com. Slash IFB13. Hi, Josper. Hey, Vikan, how's it going? It's going very well. Thank you very much. Would you mind telling us how you got started in real estate? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, back in the day, I used to work as a trader in the finance world. Um, and I, first, I was living in Amsterdam. And I, uh, I got a nice bonus at some point, so I decided to uh, buy my own uh, apartment in Amsterdam. Now, later, I moved to Chicago, and so I started renting out my apartment to long-term renters. But at some point, uh, you know, I, was, uh, I, I quit my job. I wasn't uh, completely satisfied with my life sitting in the office all day as a trader, so I decided to go travel. And then I realized that, you know, my, my apartment, I wasn't making a very good return on it, renting it out long term. And also, I didn't like the fact that I could never stay in my own apartment when I was back in Amsterdam. And thirdly, I was worried that I, I wasn't going to be able to get my house back in case I wanted to sell it or in case I wanted to move in. Because in Holland, we have very strict protection laws for renters. So if somebody rents your house for like more than six months or so, it's very hard to get that person out if, if that person wants to stay. So, you know, I really asked myself, okay, what, what is a better solution? I have this own, I have this one asset and I saw my asset also kind of as my way out of the corporate world. You know, I was really enjoying traveling and uh, I had some savings, but not enough to last. So I knew I had to monetize my asset the best I could. And when I ran into Airbnb, I used it as a, as a traveler and uh, I, I realized that it would solve all my free, uh, the free issues that I had with long-term renting. I was expecting to make a better return. I could stay at my own house when I wanted. And, you know, when a tourist stays in your house for a week, you're pretty much guaranteed that, you know, that they're going to leave. So it seemed like a perfect solution. And, uh, and so I started renting it out in 2012. And it was, uh, it was a huge success from the get-go. That's perfect. That's perfect. Was there any specific book that helped you when you got started? Or how did you grow your knowledge regarding getting started in Airbnb? Was there something that helped you to get started in there? Well, honestly, the, the reason that I wrote my book is because I felt that there wasn't so much information out there. Um, I basically read everything I could find, but most of the advice that I found was, was fairly basic. And so what I did is I, I did a lot of experimentation and you know I kind of learned by, by doing. 
And uh, you know, that's why in 2014 I decided that uh, it was a good time to sort of uh, put all the all my experience and the expertise that I had gained to put it in uh, in a book format, because I really felt like there was uh, there was room for some uh, some education in the Airbnb space. And also, I noticed that a lot of other hosts, you know, they they were leaving money on the table by by not uh, optimizing their listing by you know by just making a lot of mistakes. So, you know, that's, uh, that's where I wrote the book. You know, I think that's a great point because I feel like there's always an opportunity for someone to improve something. And I feel like nowadays, a lot of the ideas that many people think that they have an idea, it's pretty much dead. It's just that people take an idea that already exists, that it's working. They just take it to the next level. So I completely understand where you're coming from, that you took something that was so basic and you saw an opportunity and you wrote a book about it. Would you mind give us some idea of what that book kind of covers about and the challenges that you had to go through to get to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's funny because whenever I mention to people that I have a book about Airbnb, they they always seem to be a little bit surprised because, you know, most people think that, you know, running an Airbnb listing should be very simple. And in a way, it, it is very simple, but it's... It really depends on how far you want to take it, because uh, if you think about it, you know anyone can create an Airbnb listing, right? If you have an empty room or you have an empty apartment or any any uh, any space, you can easily create an, uh, an Airbnb listing. It's not rocket science, but making the most of your space, like really optimizing your income, that's a different story, because Airbnb hosting is is. It's like hospitality, like you're in the business of hospitality. Now, there's a reason why hotel managers, you know, they have like three or four year degrees. You know, they go to school to learn about hospitality. You know, it's uh, it's not something that, you know, that we, that we, it's not common sense necessarily. It's like, how do you create a good guest experience? You know, how do you cater to what your guests are looking for? How do you communicate you know, the best aspects of your apartment. How do you create a good listing that uh, that entices people to make a booking? I mean, you need to really know a lot about a lot of different things, like, for example, marketing, like hospitality, like management. You know, how do you manage your listing, especially when you're traveling, like like I was? So, you know, there's, there's actually a lot of things that go into... Uh, running an Airbnb business, and one thing that I forgot to mention is also, for example, the pricing. Like, how do you calculate optimal prices? I mean, ho- big hotel chains they have departments of data scientists who calculate what the optimal hotel price should be on any given day. Now, as a as a single host, like you, you don't have that that capability. So you know, it's a uh, it's a lot more uh, challenging than uh, than a lot of people think at first. Correct. Unless you get your feet wet and you get in there, then you start seeing what it really could be. What were some of your early challenges when you started? What was like one of the biggest challenges that you had that you had to overcome it? Well, I mean, I think uh, the, the the initial challenge for me was how do I travel and manage my Airbnb listing? Because when you're when you're in the city, when you live in the city where you rent out, then it's it's fairly easy because you're on the ground. Uh, you can you know you can find somebody to clean your apartment. You can manage it. If there's something wrong, if there's an issue, you can fix it. You can welcome your guests. You can make sure that they're doing good. 
you know, everything is in your control. But when you're on the other side of the world, and uh, you know, there's a there's a time time zone difference. When the guests arrive, you might just be asleep. So other than finding somebody who can manage your your listing on the ground, um, you also need to make sure that you're communicating well with your with your guests, especially because if you don't meet them, then you know the communication is is very important because you really want to build a, a, a relationship with your guests so that they feel comfortable that you're going to look after them and that you're there in case they need you, even though you're on the other side of the planet. Makes perfect sense. Okay. Would you mind going into just a little bit of the basics if someone wants to get their pad over the Airbnb, what the process would be like, what would they need to do like from step one to the last step to get it listed and what are some tips that you can provide in there that they would need to do? Well, I would say start with being a guest in somebody else's Airbnb um, because before you become a host, it's very valuable to understand what it's like to be on the other side. And then once you've done that, you know, you want to ask yourself the question, like, what kind of host do I want to be? What kind of guest do I want to receive? Is this going to be a full-time business where I'm really trying to squeeze the last dollar out of my business? Or is this going to be a little side gig where I'm just looking to make a little side income? I'm not so concerned about, you know, really maximizing the profit. I'm doing it more for the experience to meet people from all around the world. You know, I think these are really important questions to ask yourself before you get into Airbnb hosting. But once you've made the decision, you know, the it's a it's a fairly easy process. I mean, all you need to do is you sign up for an Airbnb account. It's completely free. Um, you can create your listing, you know, pretty much in, in a couple hours. Uh, you can just take some pictures with your smartphone. Um, <clears throat> I do recommend that uh, you request an appointment with the professional Airbnb photographer because Airbnb provides a free photography service and it's very important to have very good pictures and so you know having a professional take pictures of your home is is going to be very beneficial for your Airbnb business so once you've created your listing um you know, I, re I always recommend that people kind of pretend to be a traveler and then walk into their own house and just really think about, okay, what would I need right now as a traveler? You know, because there's, there's, there might be some items that you don't have that are very useful for travelers. For example, when I started hosting on Airbnb, when I had my first group of guests, the first message that I received after check-in was where they asked me where the hairdryer is. Because you know, the, the group uh, consisted of, uh, of four women. And uh, yeah, as you might uh, be aware of, when women travel, a hairdryer is a very essential uh, appliance. But I didn't have one because you know I'm a dude and I don't dry my hair. So you know, it's <laughs> so it's important to really put yourself in the position in in the shoes of your guests, and and really look at your apartment or your space from their eyes. You know, how comfortable is the bed? What do I have enough towels? You know, do there's all sorts of little things that you might that you might want to you know you might want to buy for your guests that you don't use yourself. You know, another funny example is uh, is a teapot. Like I never drink tea, so when I had my first English guests, you know, of course in the morning they want to have their cup of tea. Makes sense. So 
so you know there's uh there's there's quite a a, a bit of consideration that you can uh, that, that goes into it before you start but you know the process actually isn't that hard you can get your you can welcome your first guests uh pretty much within uh, within a couple of days or within a week and um you know i always tell people it's better to just get up and running and get your feet wet and just experience what it's like than to sort of procrastinate and try to make everything perfect before you start because you you know you really learn through experience you learn by you know taking action and getting getting some results rather than just uh you know trying to figure everything out beforehand makes perfect sense I didn't want to go ahead and ask you, like, I was thinking about this right now. If I was going to go ahead and list my first property on Airbnb, one of the concerns that I would have, I wanted to ask you, since you're the expert in this, what about my property if someone damages it or they're having a party and they make a hole through the wall? I feel like the listeners would definitely can connect and relate to this. They might be worried about listing their property and if someone might damage it. Did you experience anything about that, or would you provide some knowledge about that? Absolutely. So this is probably the the number one concern that any Airbnb host has uh, when starting out. First, I will say that it's extremely rare that people damage apartments. And if you look in the news, it's it's a little biased because you know the the the, the newspapers they. Uh, they obviously prefer stories that uh, you know that uh, are more exciting. Like if if someone if somebody trashes uh, an apartment or throws like a huge party and the apartment's completely destroyed, that's better. That makes a better news headline than to say, oh, there's another you know Airbnb group of guests checked in and everything was fine. So you know I, I've hosted over 250 groups and I've never had anything damaged. Most people that use Airbnb. Are, are pretty good people. They're usually well-traveled, educated, and they usually respect your space. However, there are exceptions. And so there's a, you know, there's a, there's a number of things that you can do. First of all, preventing is better than, uh, than trying to solve the, the issue a- afterwards, right? And so you know, there's, a, there's a few things that you can do in order to screen your guests. You can look, for example, you can look at their profile to see if they have a government ID, if they've uh, you know, validated themselves through their phone number or Facebook. You can look what they write on their profile, but you can also look at the reviews. And that's probably the most important part because if somebody has a positive review from another host, then that's a pretty good signal that that person will probably be a good guest. So I would say, you know, if, you, if you're starting out, and maybe don't accept bookings from people who don't have any reviews yet, just to give you a little bit more comfort. Um, but then if something does happen, well, first of all, it's always smart to have a homeowner's insurance. And one thing that you want to check is if your homeowner's insurance covers you when you're doing short-term rentals, because not all insurances do. So that's the first thing that you want to check. Secondly, if there is some damage and you are not covered by your home insurance, then Airbnb has a backup plan. It's called the Airbnb Guarantee, and it can cover you up to a million dollars. However, there are some conditions and exceptions. So, you know, I always advise people to 
to really like uh, put in a little effort and read through the you know the terms and conditions of that policy because it's really not meant as a as a full coverage it's more meant as a as a backup plan so there's you know there's a there's a, a bunch of uh, sort of preventions and layers of defense that you have and uh, but what I've seen from from the cases where things really get out of control, um, Airbnb tends to be pretty good at, at refunding you because they don't want bad publicity. Uh, so I had a girl on, the, on my podcast actually a couple months ago who, uh, who hosted a bunch of guests who threw a fret party at her place and she had all sorts of damages. I mean, they, uh, she had, you know, it ranged from broken glasses to uh, damaged furniture, like all sorts of stuff. And she had the damages of, uh, of at least a couple thousand dollars. And so Airbnb has an Airbnb resolution tool, what they call it. And using that tool, if you can't, if you can't come to uh, an arrangement with your guests, so first, if somebody damages something, you would ask the guest, hey, you know, this is broken. This is how much it costs. You know, could you... You know, could you please refund me? And you can request a ref- uh, the money through Airbnb. Actually, if the if you can't reach an agreement with your guest, then you go through Airbnb. And in which case, it's very important to have proof. So if something happens, you want to take as many pictures as you can, and you want to communicate always on the Airbnb platform with your guests, so that Airbnb, when they're looking into the case, they can see what was communicated. They can see the pictures. They have the proof. And then you have the best chance of Airbnb granting you uh, the the refund. So in that case, they will you know they will charge the guests, and if that's not possible, then they uh, they can use their Airbnb guarantee fund. Makes perfect sense. Okay, that would be a great way to do it. I love the idea of this. I did want to go ahead and ask you how much capital do you need to get this started? Now, do you need to own a property and then you can rent it out, or are there any other options? Yeah, there's definitely d- different options out there. You know, there's very a lot of different ways how you can use Airbnb. For example, if you're renting an apartment and you have a spare bedroom, then you can rent out your spare bedroom. If you rent an apartment and you're on holiday, you can you can put your apartment on Airbnb while you're on holiday. I mean, there's there's even people who rent apartments solely for the purpose of subletting it on Airbnb, which is a little bit trickier because, you know, it might, your landlord might not um, give you permission. Like in the rental agreement, it's usually stated that you're not allowed to sublease for less than 30 days. And so, you know, there's two things you can do. You can either, you know, be very clear about it and just talk to the landlord and say, hey, I want to rent your apartment, but I do want to sublet it on Airbnb. Are you cool with that? In which case, it's good to sort of explain the advantages for the for the landlord. Like, for example, if you rent out on Airbnb, you need to maintain your apartment very well. You need to keep it very clean. Otherwise, you're not going to have a very good business. And so now this is obviously in the in the interest of the landlord that his space is, uh, is always clean and well-maintained. And you can even offer your landlord to pay a little extra, you know, share some of the profits that you make on Airbnb with your landlord. Um, but you can also, and I wouldn't necessarily recommend this, but, you know, if, you're, if your landlord lives uh, on a different continent and is never there, you could also just rent it and, and do put it on Airbnb without uh, informing the landlord. 
that's a great idea. I and, love that idea. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of people who do that. Obviously, there's a risk because you know you're you're most likely going against the the rental agreement, and so if the landlord catches you, you know he, you might uh, lose your apartment, or you might be fined. You know, depending on the on the exact situation. Correct. I've seen some uh, some people on Airbnb that they have those. Um, they built those small houses and they put it on a land that is, has a very nice view of the ocean or of the mountains. Is that is that like legal to do that or? That's very difficult to say in general because uh, you know the regulations really uh, vary from location to location. Hmm, interesting. Makes perfect sense. But one thing I will say is that you know recently uh, a lot of regulation has popped up in the different uh, cities. Like for example, in San Francisco, in New York, in Chicago, there's uh, there's all sorts of restrictions to when it comes to Airbnb hosting. So a lot of hosts are not allowed to rent out for you know for longer periods, or they need to be registered. Now in Amsterdam, for example, in London, you can't rent out for you know more than sixty or ninety days if you rent out an entire apartment. So there's as as there's more restrictions popping up, people are also like getting a little bit more creative. And so I've seen, for example, I've seen people who are building tree houses in their gardens. You know, they're not allowed to rent out their entire house. So instead, they build a little tree house and they rent out the tree house. Now, I don't know, you know, if if they're officially allowed to build a tree house in the garden. I don't know how what's, what the safety regulations are and all that kind of stuff. But typically how people act is, you know, they do something. And then if it's against regulations, but it's not enforced, then they just keep doing it until until there's enforcement. You know, and th that's what I did in Amsterdam too. Like I was technically not allowed to rent out my apartment either for more than 60 days. But since there's no enforcement, um, yeah, I, I did it anyway. Makes perfect sense. Okay. Now, what's the plan for you for the future? Are you Is your intention to get more apartments and rent them more out? Or is that what your plan? Or did you wanted to get into real real estate as well too i mean this is still in the real estate category but did you want to buy real estate properties and flip them or did you just want to be in the airbnb business of buying more apartments and renting it out on airbnb well i'm actually in a sort of transitional phase right now because airbnb has decided this year to start enforcing the rules in amsterdam which means that i I can't rent out more than 60 days anymore. Airbnb just puts a lock on my calendar. And so I've actually gone ahead and sold my apartment in Amsterdam. And now what I'm doing is I'm using that money to reinvest in different places around the world where I can do Airbnb. And so I've actually already bought uh, two properties. I've bought a two-bedroom penthouse in the city of Cali in Colombia which is now being renovated and which should be ready to go uh, in the in the fall. And I've also bought a little studio on the beach on a little island in the Philippines. Now in these uh, what what's great about this uh, this strategy is that you know these these countries like Philippines, Colombia and there's a lot of other countries where real estate is still very cheap. For example, my penthouse in Colombia I only paid uh, about $150,000. And it's uh, you know it's almost uh, a thousand square feet. It's on the it's on the top floor. It has a roof terrace. It's in a very good neighborhood, so you can get really good value for money in a lot of these countries. So instead of having one apartment in Amsterdam, I'm now going to be able to have three apartments in different places. 
makes perfect sense. Now, that makes perfect sense. I did want to go ahead and ask you, was there a way that you picked these countries or was it you have been there before and you made that decision? Why specifically these countries? Um, well, that's a good question. So, yeah, I have been to these countries. I've, I mean, I've been basically nomadic, location independent for about seven years. So I've, I've traveled to about 80 countries. So I'm, I'm very familiar with a lot of places around the world. Um, the specific reasons that I invested in the places where I invested is for uh, the Philippines. One of the main reasons is that you know, this place where I invested, it's very close to the most touristic island in the Philippines, which is called Boracay. And Boracay is completely uh, completely full. The island, there's no room anymore to build. So what I did, I invested in sort of the, the nearest island, the island closest to Boracay, because I figured that's where... You know, that's where the, the investment will go next. Plus, the airport there is being converted from domestic to international, which means that the bigger airplanes can land there, which means that a lot more tourists are going to come. So, you know, these are kind of like local considerations. Um, but also, I think uh, in general, I, I think the Philippines is a little bit overlooked as a tourist destination. And so a lot of people, they, they go to Thailand, they go to Vietnam, but you know, Philippines is just kind of like one step further because it's a it's an island group. So, you know, I think uh, as Asia is developing, as the middle class in a lot of countries like China, India, as as those uh, countries are developing, I think more and more people are going to want to spend some time on the beach. And I think the Philippines is gonna take uh, be be one of the main beneficiaries of uh, of that extra flow of tourism. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for that uh, advice and the tips that you did provide there. I didn't want to get into the final questions that I did want to go ahead and ask you, and then I won't take too much of your time. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you, what do you think was holding you back from becoming an investor before you got started? What was it that, that, had to, that you had to make that shift in your head in order to get into Airbnb and start investing and taking your property and listing it? Well, I think that, uh, you know, when I was still renting out long term, um, the, you know, the, only re the only thing that kept me from, from uh, trying a different situation was just because I wasn't aware of what was possible. I mean, I, I had never heard of, you know, the home sharing space or, or Airbnb or any of the other platforms that are out there. I mean, the vacation rental industry has, has existed for a long time, but I've never really considered, uh, you know, putting my apartment on a platform like HomeAway or VRBO, which are, the, you know, traditional vacation rental places. So for me, it was just, it was not so much that something was stopping me. It was just, well, I guess not being aware of the, of the possibilities that are out there. I wasn't aware that with short-term rentals, you could make so much more money than with long-term. Like, you know, most places, uh, most, most hosts that I, that I help, um, when you look at their returns from long-term and versus Airbnb, Airbnb typically makes like free to, two to three X compared to long-term. So I would say the, the obstacle for me was just a, a lack of awareness. Lack of awareness. I feel like I can definitely connect to that. Lack of awareness is like what holds us back from moving forward. Okay, perfect. Was there any investment advice that you received when you got first started that helped you to uh, push forward? 
You know, not really. Um, I, you know, as a, you know, I've been uh, working in the finance for for six years, so you know, I knew a little bit about investing. I mean, I wasn't an investment specialist or anything, but obviously, you know, I was trading stocks and futures and options, and I was aware of all the different investment vehicles that are out there, like bonds, mutual funds, etc. So, you know, I didn't really seek much help when I, you know, when I first bought my apartment. Uh, I just learned as a trader, I just learned that, you know, I think there's a very important distinction that you have to make when you have money, which is, are you going to invest or are you going to speculate? I think a lot of people, they say that they're investing, but they're really speculating. Now, if you're buying a house just because you think the value is going to go up, that's not really investing, that's speculating, you know? So I think when, when I think of investing, I always think about, you know, what's the return? What's the cash flow? If you buy a stock, you know, how much dividend is it paying? I mean, that's an investment decision. If you're buying a stock just because you think it's going to go up, then it's speculating. So I think that distinction I've, I've always, that's sort of what, what I learned uh, during my time in the, in the financial world. And then, um, and that made me realize that, you know, in, instead of uh, pouring all my money into some financial uh, asset, um, I, I prefer to start with, uh, with real estate because real estate in the end of the day is a very safe investment as long as you focus on the, you know, on the income streams, as long as you don't try and buy something and then, you know, just hope that it's going to go up in price and sell it a couple of years later. I mean, that's what happened, uh, you know, before the financial crisis. You know, people were just buying all these apartments left and right without even thinking about how much rent they could charge, cost the maintenance would be, how much taxes they have to pay. Because they were just thinking, yeah, houses go up by 10% every year. So I just buy this uh, two-bedroom condo in Miami, and two years later, I can sell it for $100,000 more. Okay, makes sense. Uh, I did want to go ahead and ask you one last couple questions. I'm almost done here. I really do appreciate your time. You have added a lot of value to the listeners that are listening. What is one book that you recommend for someone that is interested in real estate or Airbnb? We'll definitely go ahead and talk over your book as well too. But besides that, is there any other book that you recommend for real estate for someone to get started in? Well, the... I'd say the most interesting book that I have come across is a book by Robert Kiyosaki. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Um, you probably have heard of him. Yeah, he's yeah. the author of uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad. Rich Dad. Yeah, so he has a very he has a lot of good advice on real estate. And what I specifically like is he has this this iPhone app, this game, and I'm trying to remember the name. I think it's something with cash but um you know it's it's a i believe it was called cash flow or something like that could be yeah yeah we'll have to look it up and put it in the show notes but uh but in any case it's a it's a funny little game that you can play in order to sort of understand the basics of, of real estate investing especially when it comes to mortgages because i think that's you know real estate investing the the most difficult part is the concept of leverage right it's like you know you borrow a certain amount of money from the bank you're paying a certain interest, and you're you're making a higher return on the on the real estate than the interest that you pay, and therefore you're leveraging your investment, and and then you can make much higher returns. And I think that concept really gets solidified in your brain, like how that works when you're when you're playing that game. I mean, I also I always think that uh, taking action and actually doing something is is much 
better for a better way to learn than to just read a book. But if you're going to read a book, I think uh, Robert Kiyosaki's book would be a good start. Absolutely. Speaking of the leverage, I just wanted to go ahead and say leverage is actually really good. It gives you an upper hand in investments to do well. But I also think that everybody should know that a leverage is actually double-sided sword. It can either help you or actually hurt you. Do you agree with that? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you 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 know, if you buy a mortgage, if you fully finance your house and the price of the house goes down, you, you can get underwater. Also, a potential danger is that if you have a variable interest rate on your mortgage, then if the interest rates go up, your you know your mortgage payments are going to go up as well. So yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, you 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 do have to be cautious uh, when you get into leverage. So you know, I would always recommend not uh, not taking a, f a full mortgage on, on a real piece of real estate, you know, put some some of your own money into it so that, uh, you know, if the value of the house does go down and you have to sell that you're not uh, necessarily underwater. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a very powerful, uh, very powerful tool. But uh, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, you have to make sure you get some good advice from uh, from a professional and make sure you uh, you know what you're doing before you get into it. Perfect. You put it in an exact way that I would have definitely said it. Josper, I did want to go ahead and state, imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world. Now, you still have all the experience and the knowledge that you currently have. Your food and shelter is still taken care of, but all you have is $1,000. How would you start invest your investing journey in the next six months? Well, if I had $1,000, I would rent an apartment for maybe 800 or maybe 500 and then I would uh, I would either try to re rent out the spare room in that apartment or I would sleep on my mom's couch and rent out the entire apartment you put it in a perfect way I love it okay I didn't want to go ahead and talk about just a little bit about your book what does your book cover about and what is the best uh, what's the best person that can read your book and what what information would they get from the book uh, getting your book well, when I wrote my book, I really aimed to create the most comprehensive guide that there is in the market on Airbnb hosting. And so I think, you know, I, I think I succeeded in that. Uh, it, the book is quite extensive. It's, uh, it's almost 300 pages. And so it really covers everything that you need to know in order to get started with Airbnb. It, uh, it includes stories from, from real hosts. You know, just to make you feel a little bit more comfortable knowing that there's other people who are doing this and what their stories are. Um, it, it really covers everything that you need in order to get started. But it also covers some, some other things like I, you know, I have a chapter on investing in Airbnb. I have a chapter on you know, what are the different types of hosts that are out there. What are the different ways that you can use Airbnb. So I would say, you know, there's probably two types of people that... Uh, my book is really, uh, really valuable for number one. It's the existing Airbnb host who wants to take the Airbnb business to the next level, who really wants to maximize profit because that's really, you know, how I viewed my Airbnb business because I was dependent on the income from it. And so I really try to maximize the, the returns. Now, that's not for everyone. I mean, some hosts don't, like I said before, some hosts just, they host because they, they like meeting some people, they want to make a, a little bit of side income, and they're not so necessarily focused on, you know, really making the most of their uh, of their space. But the other, the other group of people, I'd say, is the people who are 
looking forward to hosting, who are wanting to try it out, but who kind of lack that little bit of confidence to actually go ahead and do it. So I think, you know, you can really use my book as as a guidebook, as a as a guideline to how to get started. And I think that when you, when you read it and you educate yourself, you know, you're going to feel much more comfortable taking that first step. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for telling us about that. And I really feel it would be a great way to get started. I'm definitely going to pick one up for myself as well. I've been looking into Airbnb for a while, so I, I think this would be a great way for me to start, and I appreciate you telling us about it. What's the best way? I did want to finish this off. I did want to ask one last thing. What's the best way for people can reach you? Well, everybody can uh, send me an email at jesper at getpaidforyourpad.com. I'm always happy to answer any questions that people may have. I always respond to all my emails in person. Um, if you want to learn more about Airbnb hosting, I would say go to getpaidforyourpad.com. There, I have a lot of free resources uh, that can help you. I also run a podcast that uh, you can listen to for free. And the podcast show notes are also on getpaidforyourpad.com or you can find the podcast in iTunes. And uh, yeah, if you want, if you like reading, I, I do have my book for sale on Amazon. If you search for Airbnb in Amazon, then you should find it. It's it's uh, one of the first uh, books that I listed. And I soon I will also be on Audible for those who like to listen to audiobooks like myself. I listen to a lot of audiobooks. Um, I've uh, I've just actually uh, um, I've just uh, uploaded uh, my audiobook to to Audible, so that should be live in a couple of weeks as well. Perfect. And I actually just looked up the book on Amazon Airbnb. It's the second book, so I look forward to reading to it, and I'll definitely pick one up for myself. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much for your time. I really do appreciate it, and. I'll to speak to you very soon. Yeah, well, thanks for a lot for the invitation. Uh, it was my pleasure. And uh, if you need help with your Airbnb listing, then uh, feel free to uh, shoot me an email. Perfect. Thank you very much. And enjoy the rest of the morning for you. Okay, take care. You have reached the end of this episode for Investing for Beginners podcast. There are more episodes coming with real investing insights and super actionable techniques with no hype. Stay updated with each new release by subscribing to the podcast. We would love it if you would leave a rating and review. Say hello on Facebook and Twitter at AskVCan. All show notes will be available. We will catch you next time. And remember, you don't need to be a genius to invest like one.